Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Partially Examined Life Philosophy Podcast Part 1 episodes are designed to be self-contained, fully satisfying experiences in themselves. But for hardcore philosophy fans, we record for another hour or so to release behind our various paywalls to folks that pitch in to help us make this show. What you're about to hear is a preview of one of these Part 2 episodes. We hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Partially Examined Life Episode 284. We've been talking about Mark Twain's What is Man? Here in part two, we will get into the text. Let's start. So I did not try to outline the structure of the argument in detail. But the first principle that he tries to establish is that human beings are just machines, like any other machines. And they're what they're capable of doing, or what they do, I should say, it's a function. It's a function of the constitution, the physical, you know, basically what you're born with, and then how what you're born with is impacted by external forces. So the first thing he wants to do is establish that there's no concept of, as we were saying in the first part, merit or blame, because we're just simply automatons. That's step one, so to speak, of the first part of the argument. Well, he uses this metaphor of stones and steel, right? So that you could make an engine out of stone, it wouldn't be all that great. But to really make a great, really well-functioning, powerful engine, you have to take a material that is Basically, it's processed for that purpose. So you get your iron ore, you crush it, smelt it, do all kinds of stuff to it to make it steel. And then you have a material that you know you can use to make a really good engine. But that doesn't mean... So he, he says that the performance is not personal. So the steel doesn't get any credit <laughs> for being good at being an engine, You know, being good at being the material for constructing an engine. And stone doesn't get any blame That's their quote-unquote law of construction. So there's no personal demerit in the stone machine. You know, likewise, right, human beings, if we're educated and trained, if we're more like steel than stone because we've been refined by our education, there's no merit in that in the sense that we don't, it's not like we train and educate ourselves, right? We're just subjected to all these external influences. I've got a quote on page eight that follows the stuff about merit was on page seven. What makes the grand difference between the stone engine and the steel one? Shall we call it training? Education? Shall we call the stone engine a savage and the steel one a civilized man? The original rock contained the stuff of which the steel one was built, but along with a lot of sulfur and stone and other obstructing inborn heredities brought down from the old geologic ages, prejudices, let's call them, prejudices which nothing within the rock itself had the power to remove or any desire to remove. I just thought that bringing in that term prejudices there was interesting. And also articulating that the iron and steel is a refinement of the rock. It's not different in kind. He's making a a nice, you know, direct refinement thing. It's not merely a temperament question. Like there's a steel temperament and a stone temperament. So not exactly a difference in kind. Yeah, they're not. They're not difference in kind. But a difference in training or in refinement and external 
we could think of it as purely a difference in external influence. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just that there's these differences of the type of material, but also the material's indifference to being separated or combined or acted upon by other materials. So he says just a little further down, the iron's prejudice against ridding itself of the cumbering rock. To make it more exact, the iron's absolute indifference as to whether the rock be removed or not. Then comes the outside influence and grinds the rock to powder and sets the ore free. He's establishing the differences in materials, which you can think of as capabilities, the way in which they're weighted down, the metaphor, the, the way that we're weighted down by prejudices or whatever, and then the way that then those things are impacted by outside influences. Yeah. On nine, sums of, there are gold men and tin men and copper men and leaden men and steel men and so on. And each has the limitations of his nature, his heredities, his training, and his environment. You can build engines out of each of these metals and they will all perform, but you must not require the weak ones to do equal work with the strong ones. In each case, to get the best results, you must free the metal from its obstruction prejudicial ones by education, smelting, refining, and so forth. So nature and nurture. Where prejudices seem to correspond to something instinctual, right? What is it we're refining out of (laughs) we're doing with children, right? Yeah. In his analogy, that's what you're doing, right? You have these raw materials that then get refined as opposed to prejudices that are part of your upbringing, for instance. Doesn't he say something about heredities? And I think on this analogy, what we're doing when we educate infants and and children, what are we fighting against, right? I think there's another model of education in which it's more Rousseauian, right? We're born good and civilization tends to corrupt us. But on this view, I think he's thinking that we're born with all these impulses and we need education to refine them and to make something that is recognizably human out of them. I'm not even sure it's accurate to say we're born with X. (laughs) We're born with a certain, I guess there is with something, but it's not. We're born with hunger. We're born with all these biological needs. We're born with social needs. I see where you're going with. I don't see him using the analogy that way. In fact, I don't think he was even consistent about his use of the analogy here with respect to other places. Well, if we're going to compare the unprocessed stone, right, to the processed steel and call one training and how to, you know, and education, what is it that prejudice corresponds to? I just don't think that he takes it necessarily as from birth on is that, you know, the training the force of environment to that we were talking about earlier, that you cultivate the right sort of behavior and the right kind of person that you want by putting them in with the right kind of people. And you do the same thing with the wrong kind of people. And so that cultivation is, I guess, modulo the fact that it gets cemented more as you get older and older and older. It's a sort of constant activity, it seems seems to me. And I agree that his analogy at the beginning is just screaming out to say, well, what is the raw material that every person or people are born with that then gets refined over time? And there's certainly an element of that, but it doesn't feel like he's consistent about that. Well, I I think Wes is enamored enough with the term instinct that we should just read, even though this is jumping ahead. He's not talking, when he says instinct, he doesn't mean what I mean by instinct. Yeah, but the, what he's going to mean by instinct, right? If we're talking about, are we a tabula rasa or not? 
we should just read what he means, which is page 100 to 101. What is instinct? It is merely the unthinking and mechanical exercise of inherited habit. Who originated the habit? The first animal started it. Its descendants have inherited it. And how did the first one come to start it? I don't know, but it didn't think it out. How do you know it didn't? Well, I have a right to suppose it didn't anyway. I don't believe you have. What is thought? And the young man says, I know what you call it, the mechanical and automatic putting together impressions received from outside and drawing an inference from them. And so here's the punchline. The old man says, very good. Now, my idea of the meaningless term instinct is that it is merely petrified thought, solidified and made inanimate by habit, thought which was once alive and awake, but it become unconscious, walks in its sleep, so to speak, which I think this is another thing that's more or less straight from the pragmatists. Like it sounds like Dewey's talk of the live creature and maybe stuff in uh, James's psychology. The reason why I bring up with the respect of the stone and, and thinking about children and instincts and impulses is because we're thinking about education. We're thinking about the extent to which a human being is a machine or a determined entity. And so we have to think not only about nurture, but about nature mm-hmm. and what that means, what comes with that nature package. And instinct is a way of talking about that. So it just is to say... We're biological entities that come pre-programmed with dispositions to behave in certain ways and that those dispositions are connected ultimately to certain subjective psychological states or to states that are on the border between the physiological and the psychological. So things like desire and hunger and all those other sorts of needs. But I think the most important point here is that we come motivated, right? We come with our own little engines. The stone analogy breaks down and prejudice is the best way you can, or, you know, impurities in the, in the ore is the best way that I think you can, you can get at this. But there's something that has to be refined or cultivated. What if we leave it alone? What if we don't educate? What if we don't, with our children, we don't say no at every little thing that they want to do. That's the education we're talking about, right? A lot of it is just saying, no, you can't do that. You can't have what you want right now because I'm going to refine you into a different sort of being. And if we don't do that, well, I think we know the consequence. <laughs> Part of the story, the analogy of the stone is we would have to also talk about ossification, sedimentation, like the buildup and then the stripping away kind of But the question is, what's there originally? You know, is it the grain of sand that then turns into a pearl? I'm still struggling at trying to get at what, not so much conceptualize, but to articulate what is there at the beginning for him. A set of capacities, that doesn't sound right. Dispositions, it's not a tabula rasa. It's hard for me to figure out the right way to to say what I think he thinks is at the, the starting point. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com slash support. Thanks for listening.